live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. But when I woke up this morning, actually, when my feet hit the ground, my eyes were opened, I was moving around, the very first thought that I had was, man, it would be great. It would be great to roll out and get some good news. It really would be an awesome thing to start this day with some good news. And luckily, fortunately, we have some really good news. The Buffalo Bills tweeted the following within the last hour or so, and I quote, Per the physicians caring for DeMar Hamlin at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, DeMar has shown remarkable improvement over the past 24 hours. While still critically ill, he has demonstrated that he appears to be neurologically intact. His lungs continue to heal, and he is making steady progress. We are grateful for the love and support we have received. End of tweet. So that in and of itself is great news. Really good news. His agency also released a statement saying Hamlin had made, quote, substantial improvement, end of quote, overnight. So really, really good things. And then this incredibly from Ian Rappaport on Twitter, quote, DeMar Hamlin opened his eyes last night and is responsive. Truly incredible. One thing that's very clear from speaking to those close to him, they are endlessly appreciative of the medical care given to Hamlin on the field immediately, then over the last 72 hours. End of tweet. So he's opening his eyes. He's responsive. This is incredible news. Rappaport then goes on to tweet that DeMar Hamlin has been gripping the hands of those close to him. Another positive sign. I mean, ask me. That is an incredible sign. That is incredible news. He opened his eyes. He's responsive. He's gripping people's hands. Awesome. You know, still plenty of work to be done, and we're not out of the woods yet, but that, that's just good news. Really, really good news on a day when we needed some really, really good news. And I was so hoping when I woke up this morning that we'd start this day with something positive, and that's it. That is amazing. So great news, progress, and frankly, something I think that everybody needed to hear today. Certainly the Buffalo Bills. Certainly everybody around the NFL. And certainly folks in general who have been thinking about DeMar and sending out their thoughts and prayers. That is a really, really good way to start the day. So there's some positive news for you. Telephone number is toll-free, 1-800-636-8686. If you want to react to that, you go right ahead. If you want to call on that, you go right ahead. If you want to hit on something else, you go right ahead. Now, there is another topic, isn't there? I'm talking with Jay Woods of Omega Tax Credits about small businesses under 500 employees qualifying for a tax refund from a new program. Tell me again, Jay, how long does it take for somebody saying, yeah, I don't know, I probably don't qualify. I'm saying find out because you don't know. How long does it take for them to find out? You don't have a more important 10 minutes in your day than these 10 minutes. That's it. 800-704-2000 or go to omegataxcredits.com and find out. Jay is right for your business. There is not a more important 10 minutes. Of all people, and I segue now to a much longer form rant 
and a topic and something I need to get to. Yeah, I'm not even trying to cover this whole thing in the open, but I'm going to give it a shot. Of all people, I'm going to even go third person here. Jim Rome should have known better. I mean, if anybody should have known better, I'll do it again. Jim, no, 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 no. I will government myself. I don't know that I've ever done that in my career. James Philip Rome should have known better. I should have known that soccer is going to soccer. And U.S. soccer is always going to soccer hardest of all. And right now, U.S. soccer is soccering the hell out of itself. We are currently in the middle of a complete and total U.S. men's national team bleep show. A bleep show of a scandal featuring the most classic case of insufferable soccer parents ever. And at this point, I'm looking around for the orange slices and the Capri Suns. Where are the pennies at? Because this is some U14 select team nonsense. And it's going to take me some time to boil this down, but let me give it a shot. Let me try to boil this down simply. Scorned soccer mama and scorned soccer papa have taken out their wrath on head coach Greg Berhalter, and frankly, everybody looks like crap. Nobody looks good. Nobody wins here. This is not good for anybody except for soccer hater. Soccer hater is having their best week in a long, long time. Soccer hater can't wait to rush up in here and say, Rome, you are an idiot. What did you think? What did you expect? This is what you get. Now, before I get into the outrageous details of this, I want to make one thing very clear. You know, now I'm not making light of this at all. I know Greg Berhalter. You know that I know Greg Berhalter. I know his wife. I know his family. We are friendly. I don't know exactly what has happened other than what he posted. I just want to be very clear off the top. I am not in any way excusing his behavior, even behavior from 1991, and even behavior that I don't know exactly what it was. I don't know what happened. But for those of you who have not been following this bleep storm of a story, Burhalter did release a shocking statement earlier this week where he admitted to a violent incident with his future wife when he was 18 years old. It resulted in a, quote, heated argument that continued outside. It became physical, and I kicked her in the legs, end of quote. Again, that's not acceptable. It's never acceptable. Not in 1991, not in 1951, not in 1901, not ever. I'm not in any way condoning this. I'm not in any way excusing this. It's inexcusable behavior. I don't know what happened that night, but whatever it is, it was not good, and it was inexcusable. 
whatever it was. I want to be so clear about that, period, period, period. And as I've said, I know Greg Berhalter. I know his wife, Rosalind. We're friends. We're former neighbors. I know them socially. I don't know what happened that night, but whatever it was, it was not good. And again, not acceptable, period. I just want to be so clear about that. Now, if you're wondering why we're hearing about this now, it happened in 1991. If you're wondering why we're hearing about this now in 2023, that was also covered in Burhalter's social media statement. Quote, during the World Cup, an individual contacted U.S. soccer saying they had information about me that would, quote, take me down, end of quote. An apparent effort to leverage something very personal from my long ago to bring about my relationship with U.S. soccer, end of quote. Now, that is a huge and alarming claim, essentially saying that he was being blackmailed at the World Cup. And that begs some questions, didn't it? Like, who would do that? Why? Who would even know about an incident between teenagers outside of a college bar in 1991? I mean, the whole thing was just so bizarre. So soccer, right? Well, yesterday we got the answers to all those questions. Because the parents of Gio Reyna a.k.a. the 20-year-old emerging star who was the center of a playing time controversy at the World Cup, his parents were the ones who admitted to coming forward with this information, although they deny, quote, blackmailing during the World Cup. Even more incredibly about this story is these two families have known each other for decades. They've been good friends For decades, the wives were college roommates and on the same soccer team at the University of North Carolina. Claudio Reyna and Burhalter were teammates, high school teammates, even before then. So they all go way back. They go decades back. Danielle Reyna says that she brought the info to U.S. soccer after the World Cup claiming it was in response to Burhalter, revealing that her son was almost kicked off the team and sent home from Qatar. Here was part of her statement that she released yesterday. Quote, It took a long time for me to forgive and accept Greg afterward, but I worked hard to give him grace and ultimately made both of them and their kids a huge part of my family's life. I would have wanted and expected him to give the same grace to Gio. This is why the current situation is so very hurtful and hard. End of quote. So, essentially, the Reynas were upset about the playing time and the treatment of their son, so they decided to weaponize a domestic violence incident from 1991 as retaliation. To make some kind of point about forgiveness? So forgive me if this is hard to follow. Forgive me if I'm saying that this barely makes any sense at all. If the Reynas had an issue with Burhalter leading the national team based on that incident from 1991, 
The time to raise that issue was when Burhalter was hired. And U.S. soccer is confirmed, by the way, that Claudio Reyna was one of the few former players consulted on that hire. Claudio is on record as saying at that time he loved the hire. So if they had concerns about Burhalter coaching that team, they would have raised them right then and there. But they didn't. They didn't have concerns about Burhalter apparently until Burhalter did not play their kid. And if they did have concerns about him as a coach, seems to me there was a right way and a wrong way to raise them. Danielle Reyna saying that she never meant for this to become public to me is absurd. She alleged a domestic violence incident. Of course, U.S. soccer was going to investigate that, and they are now. And of course, once the investigation were to begin, it was going to become public. She knew that. And if she didn't know that, she should have known that. And if she didn't know that, how could she not know that? And never mind that U.S. soccer has a complete bleep show on its hands right now, and it does. What about Rosalind Burhalter? Now, she has what I would imagine an extremely traumatic moment that she had to work through over time. That she had to process, that she had to work through a private moment. But a very traumatizing moment, I would imagine, whatever happened in a very private moment. But now it's been brought up publicly, but not by her, but by somebody else. And why? To weaponize that against that family, a family that they were allegedly so close to. And why was it brought up? Because a soccer mom did not like the way the coach was playing her son and saying what he said about her son. I mean, this whole thing is so jacked up. It is so messed up. It is so awful. And again, even more insane, given that these two families have known each other for decades and allegedly were very close at some point for some time. Again, Claudio was a decorated USMNT captain himself. He was a USMNT teammate. Of Burhalters. In fact, they played together on the World Cup team that made the quarterfinal in 02, the best World Cup result for the U.S. in 72 years. Like these two families could not be more closely linked. They could not be more U.S. soccer. And I don't know when these supposed best friends became frenemies and then straight up enemies, but I know this no one wins here. It's one of the most soccer things ever, and I will own it. I will own it. I was the one who killed the sport back in the day. I was the one who came around to respecting the world's game. And the world's game just came around to bite me right in the ass. I'm not making this about me, but but you all will. You all are. But from a soccer standpoint, can I tell you, it's happening. Never that there's a good time for a scandal like this and one of the most soccer things ever. But it's happening at actually the worst possible time. Because this was supposed to be an incredible moment for the sport in this country. 
We just had a legitimately solid showing on the world stage with legitimate TV ratings to back it up. I mean, good times. If not great times, they were a-coming, right? Because the program was on... Thanks, Alvi. The program overall was on the uptick. And we're all set to co-host the next World Cup in four years with an extremely promising, extremely young team that just got some really important experience and some success. In other words, this was supposed to be the best time for U.S. soccer. And instead, we're already in the middle of a humiliating hot mess. Like right when this team finally gets a little bit of respect from the American public and the rest of the world, everybody is once again pointing and laughing and mocking U.S. soccer. And it's not funny, right? I mean, to a lot of you it is. And me, where does that leave me? Where does that leave me? Going to the jab. Not that jab. The Capri Sun jab. The orange slice smack. But then soccer is going to soccer, and that's going to happen when you have overbearing helicopter soccer parents dominating the conversation. Except I expected that, like, in U14 play. Overbearing helicopter soccer parents suck when it comes to U14. Can you imagine what a mess it is on international level? I mean, the idea that this kind of sloppy family drama, and it's more than just drama, we're talking about some sort of domestic violence incident that transpired in 91. The notion that this could somehow get anywhere near the senior national team is a national disgrace. But I guess this goes to prove once and for all that crazy sports parents can ruin any and everything, even at the highest levels and even on the level of international competition. And I guess it also proves that we will never get the orange slices and Capri Suns and helicopter parents out of the sport because U.S. soccer is going to U.S. soccer. And I'm not sure U.S. soccer has ever U.S. soccered harder than right now. This is not your neighborhood AYSO nonsense. This is not the nonsense that I used to see on the soccer pitches of Balboa Park in the 818. I mean, is this real? And by the way, as far as this blackmail goes, what, you couldn't just uninvite each other to every family holiday party, to every outdoor barbecue? You couldn't have just ratted them out for having their hedges one inch too high to the homeowners association? Hey, Raina fam, why not just leave a flaming bag of poop on the Burhalter doorstep? And then to retaliate, the Burhalters can, I don't know, smear some Vaseline on your minivan windshields. Yeah, sure, pretty sophomoric, but at least it's amusing at least it's not blackmail. Blackmail, on the other hand, is jacked up. But then again, the whole thing is. And again, I'm not condoning what happened back in 1991. I have no idea what happened back in 1991. I'm not condoning it in any way. 
But I will say this. Can you have any idea? Because I'm not having fun, believe it or not. In fact, I'm pissed. I'm not having fun at all. I came around to the dark side, and the dark side bit me in the ass. But can you imagine how much fun 1996 Jim Rome would have had with this? I mean, holy crap. And speaking of the Balboa soccer pitch, I'll get into that later on. Kind of reminds me of my personal experience with soccer and soccer mom. This is a wild story. Wild story. So I'm owning that, and those are my thoughts on that. 1-800-636-8686. But I feel really strongly about a few things quickly as I go to break. One, soccer going to soccer, and it did. Number two, whatever happened on that night outside that club, I don't condone. Not in 91, not in 51, not in 01. However, if the Reinas really had an issue with this, really had an issue with this, then there's a right way to handle that, and there's a right way to express that, and that's not it. Because now you have Rosalind, and that that was her story. That was something deeply traumatic, if it was what it's purported to be. That that was up to her to make that public, not the Reinas, and certainly not because their kid didn't get enough playing time. So now the Burhalters are going to relive this publicly. And for Danielle to say, well, I didn't expect it to go public. I didn't want it to go public. Come on, stop with that. Because, of course, U.S. soccer was going to investigate this. And, of course, once they got lawyers involved to investigate this, it was going to be public. So what do you mean you didn't want that to go public? That's either a lie or disingenuous or incredibly naive. But now lives will be changed forever. Careers will be changed forever. I got a question for you. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky like the best thing ever? Well, there is something to be said for a family business, which stands by quality and produces the world's finest beef jerky. Do not be fooled by other brands. All beef jerky is not the same. Make sure you choose Old Trapper, where you can actually see the quality right through their iconic Clearview packages. Every single bite of Old Trapper is tender, never tough, because they only use the best ingredients. From their lean strips of beef, seasoned with top quality spices to their real wood-fired smoke, Old Trapper delivers quality in every single bite and... Old Trapper Jerky comes in four mouth-watering flavors. Old Fashioned, which is classic beef jerky flavor. Tender, smoky, and delicious. You've got teriyaki with the yellow label, where Old Trapper turned the flavor dial to 11. Hot and spicy, with a spice so nice you'll want to snack twice. Peppered, tender, seasoned beef covered in cracked pepper. And you can grab and go with a 4-ounce bag or load up with an 18-ounce bag. That way you've got enough for the entire team or fam or both. If you don't see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? PJ Fleck. PJ, Happy New Year. Great to have you back. How are you? I'm doing elite, Jim. Happy New Year to you as well. You too, Coach. All right, PJ, so you just wrapped up another nine-win season. As I mentioned, also you had that bowl win over Syracuse. You know, every single year is different. Every single year has its own story. As you look back, what would you say were the primary elements of the Minnesota football story this year? What types of things are going through your mind as you look back? 
Well, it was a talented football team for sure. Uh, offense, defense, special teams. We talked about the beginning of the year. We had a chance. We felt to be a championship football team, whether Big Ten West champs or bowl champs or something like that. We knew that we had some type of championship football team. And this team responded uh, to everything thrown its way. I mean, we lost our starting quarterback. We lost our running back for a game. Uh, Muhammad Ibrahim, who I arguably is one of the greatest running backs in, in the history of the game, especially in Minnesota, lost our top receiver. And we were still able to win nine games. And uh, that's a credit to our players. Uh, we had a really stingy defense. They played incredibly hard, kept us in a lot of ball games. And then special teams, we were very consistent in that side. So um, we had a bunch of All-Americans, um, you know, or all Big Ten players, and uh, just really proud of our guys as they continue to go through the year. We were talking to P.J. Fleck. I'm going to ask you about Muhammad in a moment. You know, every single bowl win sweet. I get this, but you called that win over Syracuse, quote, one of the greatest bowl experiences I have ever had in my entire life, end of quote. What made that one so special? Well, first of all, just New York City. I mean, there's, there's no place like New York City. That was a blast. Uh, Randy Levine and – and John Mosley and, and the bad boy mowers people were just absolutely awesome to us. Uh, the New York Yankees, uh, when you get a chance to go spend, you know, we got, got there on Christmas day and you're having Christmas in New York holiday season. Plus it's the busiest time in New York city leading up to new year's. They did so much for our players and so many events. Uh, and it was so exciting. Our players just had a blast. It was one of the best experiences. Bowls are about experiences. That's a reward for the season. And there were so many things our players did that they'll probably never, ever get a chance to do again. Uh, and that's what bowls should be like. And, um, you know, appreciate everybody's effort on that because we absolutely loved it, enjoyed it. And it wasn't just the win. It was the four or five days we were actually in New York City. It was the pinstripe bowl that we're talking about. P.J. Fleck is joining us. So, P.J., what about the seniors? You know, you did something over the past three years. You won more games over a three-year period than the program had won since 1900 to 1905. So what did it mean to you personally to see your seniors go out with that bowl win the way they did? Well, it was probably one of the most resilient group of seniors I've ever been around. Uh, and you can start with Muhammad Ibrahim coming back from an Achilles injury. Could have easily went to the National Football League. I mean, Hit 175 yards in the first half against Ohio State when he did it um, and decided to come back and ended up being, you know, first team all Big Ten. Uh, you know, he's going to have a heck of an NFL career in the future. Um, but to make that decision when there's a bunch of money for you in the NFL says a lot about his character and who he is and what he thought about his teammates because they all felt the same way. Uh, now you've got Brevin Spanford even coming back next year and Chris Altman Bell coming back next year. Um, Tanner Morgan was a young man that recruited at Western Michigan. He leaves here as the all-time winner uh, and, and, and wins at, at the quarterback position than anybody in the history of our program at the University of Minnesota. And he was committed to us at Western Michigan and, and came along with us and had the resolve to do that. John Michael Smith was the same way, and he's arguably the best center in the country. Uh, probably going to be a first-round draft pick coming up in this year's draft. So you're talking about guys who really um, bought into us very early and saw something that they wanted to be a part of that could help fix it and help turn it around and make it better uh, and be a part of change. And they were. And now I think our brand, our logo, uh, is looked at a little bit different than it was six years ago. And that's a credit to those players and those seniors like Mariano Sori Merritt, um, those guys. Minnesota head football coach P.J. Fleck is joining us. So then you look ahead, right? I know you want to take that all in, enjoy that, but I know you're also working to 2023 already. You wrap up the early signing period with 33 recruits, including five transfers. The full impact, of course, of these players is not going to be known until they take the field. But overall, how do you feel about this incoming class? 
We feel really good about it. Um, you know, um, we'll find out in a few years. But what I love about it is, you know, we've, there's a lot of talk about the portal right now and, and transferring and things like that, and NIL. And, you know, for the original intent of why NLI was actually created, I'm 100% in favor for it. We have a lot of players on our team who make a lot of money and, and are involved in a lot of NIL deals and can make money off name, image, and likeness. That's unbelievable. That's what an opportunity, especially in the Twin Cities uh, where there's 18 Fortune 500 companies. The transfer portal has been really good to us. and We've lost some guys for the transfer portal. Every team has. And I know a lot of people complain about that. But at the end of the day, we've gained a lot from the transfer portal. There's a lot of guys who are playing in the National Football League because they transferred here. Uh, and we got five transfers this year. We'll probably add a few more as we keep going forward. But this is still a developmental program. And developmental doesn't mean just high school program. It means can you develop everybody academically, athletically, socially, and serving and giving spiritually? Can you develop that person? from where they are to where they dream of being, period. So I think for us, we look at ourselves as a developmental program. We're going to be majority of high school players, but we're also going to be able to, you know, uh, dip a little bit into that portal of guys who want to be developed and, and, and have this opportunity, like Benjamin St. Juice, who's playing for the, you know, Washington Commanders. Um, you know, he came here, and, um, and, and now, thank goodness, he had the transfer portal. So – uh, I can go on and on about that, but for me, uh, that's what we're thinking. We feel really good about where we're at in a lot of positions. We just keep adding depth, and as you can see in the national championship coming up, depth is in, is critical. We're talking to P.J. Fleck. What about that? You mentioned the national championship, which is coming up. You've got Georgia and TCU coming up on Monday. TCU, P.J., obviously is an amazing story. They won five games last year. They were picked to finish seventh in the preseason Big 12 poll. What do you make of the job that Sonny Dykes has done with the Horn Frogs? Well, I think it's one of the best coaching jobs uh, maybe ever. Uh, I know Sonny personally. Um, I think he's a phenomenal person, a wonderful coach. And you talk about a person who's been through ups and downs. I mean, you know, got let go at Cal and, and then, you know, went to coordinate, then was at SMU and had success and then went over to TCU. But when you look at even what they've done with the high school players, and I think they added 15 portal uh, players to that roster that had immediate impacts. Um, it just shows that as you're building, you're building a little bit more as an NFL mindset of like, okay, we're going to keep building for the future, but we're also going to build for right now. And you can do both. And I think they're a great example of that. Um, but I have a ton of respect for Sonny. Uh, Max Duggan's one of the best players in college football. I mean, he was so close to coming to Minnesota. He was so close. It was us and TCU. It was so close. Um, but he's a wonderful person. We know him personally. He's a, he's a phenomenal competitor. And there's no surprise Max Duggan's in the national championship. And for the people that know him personally and recruited him, there is zero surprise. PJ, do you think, I mean, I would say to you, do you think that TCU's best beats Georgia's best? It would certainly be hard to make that argument, but Georgia obviously a heavy favorite to repeat. How do you think TCU, given how they showed up against Michigan, how do you expect them to show up Monday night against the defending champs? Well, I think both of those teams have incredible passion to play the game. Um, they, you can tell they're incredibly connected teams. They play for each other. they got great coaching staffs. Um, they do all the little things really well. You know, uh, They are both explosive offenses. Um, they really do well defensively. They're very different defensively in terms of their schemes, but um, you know, they, they play equally as hard. Um, but again, when you get to that, that's why you play the game for three hours um, is because there's a lot of things that happen that are inside your control and outside your control. But the team who responds the best to whatever's happening, the, the best way possible is going to win that football game. Uh, as you could see against, you know, the, the Michigan game, you know, there were so many things that happened that were 
kind of outside TCU's control, but also were inside TCU's control, and they took advantage of those. And um, sometimes you, you've got to be able to respond um, uh, to win those football games. And a lot of things, like I said, inside your control, outside your control, but it's all about response. And I think that's what TCU and Georgia both have. P.J. Fleck, my guest. So, P.J., you mentioned the portal, and you're going to get some guys, and you're going to lose some guys, and that's the way it is. But with staffs and coaches, it's a little bit different. There's been speculation that Wisconsin head coach Luke Fickle is looking to hire your co-defensive coordinator, Paul Haynes. Is Haynes on his way to Madison? Uh, he is, you know. And, uh, you know, one thing I've always said is you know, my job is to be able to develop, you know, young people for the rest of their life, academically, athletically, socially, spiritually. And I take a lot of pride in that, being a former elementary school teacher. Um, I've always loved that part of the job. Well, there's no difference when you're talking about your coaching staff. Um, you know, I, right now, I mean, Kenny Burns is the head football coach at Kent State. Mo Linquist is the head coach at Buffalo. Uh, Charles Huff was at Western Michigan with me. He's now the head coach at Marshall. Our job is to help these guys grow and become head coaches uh, and become coordinators. Uh, that's my job as a head football coach. You know, my job is not to hoard and hold on to everybody forever. My job is to my, – my dream has come true, Jim. I'm, I'm coaching at the highest level uh, in, in college athletics. Um, in, in the, one of the best conferences in America, and I'm a head football coach going on my 11th year. So, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm definitely smart enough to know there's other people that can do my job, and I'm going to be grateful for it and do it as hard as I possibly can because I'm not the only one that can do the job. But the same thing with my staff. I want them to be able to explore other opportunities, and does this thing that it's a rival? Sure. But if it's a better opportunity for him that gets him to where he wants to be, then good. And I'm going to support those guys 100%. Sometimes it's money-driven. Sometimes it's t- title-driven. Sometimes it's location and family-driven. Um, sometimes it's, it's fit-driven. Uh, whatever it is, sometimes it's, it's, it's being a head coach. You want to be able to support your staff. And listen, I'm at Minnesota. I, I know that we have, we, have, we have budgets like everybody else. But if I can help them get to where they want to be, that's the job of a head football coach. And I take a lot of pride in that. Some people look at it as a bad thing. I look at it as a great thing. Um, I just think of it differently. Yeah, listen, I mean, you're pretty clear about that, PJ, and the way you laid that out. I would just say, in a very, very quick follow, do you have any issue at all with how that went down or how that was handled by Wisconsin? Well, uh, I, I, know, I, I, don't, I don't know how Wisconsin handled that, but I will say this. is uh, I have a ton of respect for Paul Haynes, and Paul Haynes did everything in a first-class way and the first class, in the, up, the first-class fashion, and as a true professional would. And I support him 100%. And it's about the people. It's not about a place. It's about the people. And uh, Paul Haynes is, you know, my first job was working for Paul Haynes. Um, so for me, that's, that's, that goes along with the territory. Sometimes people have connections with other people. It doesn't matter where they're at. They just have a connection with people. And my first job was working for Luke Fickle, Paul Haynes at Ohio State. And I know their connection and their past goes way beyond Paul and I's. And if there's a better opportunity for him there, that fits him and his family better. I support him 100%. But he did it the right way 100% of the time. He coached his tail end off when he was here. He made our players better. And that's what loyalty is. Loyalty is about doing everything you can to make that place, that head coach, um, those players, that staff better, period, while you're there. Loyalty is not about somebody leaving you or not leaving you. It's about doing it while they were there, in my opinion, in this profession. Somebody can make their life better. I don't know everybody's circumstances. But if somebody can make their life better, I support them 100%. And Wisconsin's getting a great football coach and a wonderful man. 
There you go. Minnesota coming off another nine-win season, coming off another bowl win as well. He is the 2019 Big Ten Coach of the Year and already looking ahead to 2023. He is P.J. Fleck. P.J., so good to have you on. Happy New Year. Always appreciate the conversation and the energy. It's great to talk to you once again. I appreciate you having us on, Jim. Roll the boat, Sky and Mago. Go first. Happy New Year. Thanks. The fans, the tradition, the glory. There is nothing more thrilling than college football, and it all comes down to the national championship game on Monday. And I'm here to tell you the go-to for betting is DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. I love that matchup. Georgia, TCU, who you got? Right now, new customers can bet just 5 bucks on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use my code ROME, R-O-M-E. New customers bet just 5 bucks on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. But you have to use the code ROME, R-O-M-E, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Jim Trotter. Jim, I know it's, good, uh, it's a busy morning, so good morning to you. Happy New Year. What's up, Jim? How are you? Same to you, Romy. I, I appreciate it. apologize for being late, but you never know when news is going to break. And, you know, the um, uh, doctors at the hospital helping DeMar Hamlin uh, came on, so I apologize for being late. No, not at all. Can you give me an update? What did, that, what did they have to say, and what is the very latest? Yeah, they said that uh, there's been a remarkable improvement. Um, neurologically, he's intact. Obviously, there's a lot of work to go. He's still critically ill. Uh, he's being cared for. But the thing that, that stuck out to me, Romy, was that they acknowledged that if not for the care of the doctors on the field and, and them immediately recognizing what was happening, that this could have taken a different turn. And, you know, I think sometimes we're we're so critical of the NFL, you know, and the way that it handles certain things and how it goes about its business. But, man, these doctors and, and, and physicians who were there to care for DeMar Hamlin at the time of that injury um, – all you can do is praise them, you know, um, because they, they saved that young man's life. Um, when you hear the doctors at the hospital talk about um, if they had not recognized what was going on and, and, and administered the treatment that they did, this could have taken a far different turn. Jim Trotter's joining us. Jim, I'm curious. You've covered the league so long. In terms of the guys that you talk to, everybody will have a different opinion. But generally speaking, you know, the players do such an amazing job of compartmentalizing what goes on. What's been the general reaction of the players and even the coaches that you've talked to to this entire traumatic episode because it's so very different and so scary? Yeah, Romy, I think it's what you said. Um, There is not a consensus. I mean, the consensus is that obviously everyone – um, had prayers for DeMar Hamlin and, and, and wanted the best in a full recovery, et cetera. But in terms of playing again and those sorts of things, I, I've heard opinions all over the spectrum. You know, there were some players who wanted to, to go back out and play this weekend. There were others who said, no, um, I really don't feel, you know, capable of playing this weekend. I'm just not there. Um, and you had coaches who were also concerned as well. Um I mean, I, it, it, it spans the spectrum, Romy. So I think sometimes we we want to act as if everyone thinks the same way and, and they're homologous in, 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 in their their thoughts, and that's simply not the case. So um, I think the news that we have gotten on DeMar Hamlin today is going to make it easier 
for players to go out now and play those who had concern. But just as recently as yesterday, I heard from inside the Bills locker room that there were guys, several guys who just weren't there yet. You know, they just didn't feel like they were capable of going out and playing. Um, Now, will today's news change that? We'll find out. But um, as you said earlier, the, the, the responses span the spectrum. We're talking to Jim Trotter. We've got a couple of minutes left. Jim, last night you were part of the NFL Network's special unveiling of the 15 finalists for this year's Pro Football Hall of Fame class. Who were the biggest surprises for you in terms of who was included and maybe who was omitted? Yeah, you know, Romy, being a Hall of Fame voter, it, it, it's tough because you could say when you get the 15 finalists that you could pick any five, and that's a good class. Um, but when you think about think about how competitive this is in terms of some of the people who are left off, you've got a guy like Steve Smith Sr., who all-time ranks 12th in catches. He has more catches than guys like Isaac Bruce, Randy Moss, Andre Reid, um, Torrey Holt, Steve Largent, James Lofton, Michael Irvin, Charlie Joyner, Calvin Johnson, all of whom were either in the Hall of Fame or a finalist this year. Then you look at receiving yards. He's got more than Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Andre Johnson, James Lofton, Chris Carter, Torrey Holt, you know, Andre Johnson, again, Reed, uh, Andre Reed, Steve Largent. And I can go down the list, and many of them or all of them are in the Hall of Fame or a finalist this year. So um, when you talk about those things and you see a guy like that being left off, it's like, wow. Or Jari Evans, we're talking about a guard who was part of an all-decade team, who was four-time All-Pro, six-time Pro Bowler, and he doesn't even make the cut to be discussed in that room. Or, you know, and I always point to Rodney Harrison, who was a 30-30 guy, 30 interceptions, 30 sacks. Only two players in the history of the game have done that, and the other is Ray Lewis, and yet Rodney Harrison doesn't even make it into the room. So um, I could go down with James Harrison, Fred Taylor, things like that. It is just so competitive that I feel for these guys who don't get in. Um, but it's going to be like that every year, and I think the Hall of Fame enjoys that, that it is the most exclusive club in professional sports because you only get five modern-era players a maximum each year. Man, that's, it's so interesting, Jim. I mean, the process is the process, and it does take time for some. It takes a lot of time for others. And nobody can tell me that Steve Smith Sr. is not a Hall of Famer. I mean, I'm a little biased because I love the man, have always loved the man, you can't tell me he's not going to get in at some point, right? No, I well, look, let me tell you how. And you know, when I say that, Jim, I'm afraid he might not get in, so I'll be real honest about that, but I just want the guy in. I love the guy. No, the, one of the ways I judge Hall of Famers, and this may sound corny, but it's true, would I pay money to watch that guy play, right? As cheap as I am and as, you know, whatever. Um, would I pay dig into my own pocket to watch that guy play? And Steve Smith was one of those guys I would dig into my pocket to watch play. And in fact, when I saw him his final year in San Francisco when the Ravens were playing there and we were walking off the field together, I just felt I had to tell him that because I had so much respect for his game and, and how he went about his business and how he played. So, yes, I believe Steve Smith is a Hall of Famer. The fact that he is not even in, among the finalists, I – Look, it's not my Hall of Fame. I'm only one voter. I, I can say, and I always try and be transparent in terms of how I vote, he definitely was on my list of finalists. 
I'm talking with Jay Woods of Omega Tax Credits about small businesses under 500 employees qualifying for a tax refund from a new program. Tell me again, Jay, how long does it take for somebody saying, yeah, I don't know, I probably don't qualify. I'm saying find out because you don't know. How long does it take for them to find out? You don't have a more important 10 minutes in your day than these 10 minutes. That's it. 800-704-2000 or go to omegataxcredits.com and find out. Jay is right for your business. There is not a more important 10 minutes. We do this once a week. You can beef about anything you want. Sports, non-sports, family, friends, work, school, social, anything at all. The world. I mean, within reason. But what I'm saying to you is it does not need to be a sports-related take. Or beef. It can be. Tommy, are we starting with phones or are we going to go with the social? Let's go with the written. Phone lines are open. Hey, Jim, my beef is with self-righteous New Year's resolution guy and gal. No, I didn't make a New Year's resolution this year, just like last year. No, I don't want to hear about your resolution to journal every morning. Your new exercise program, you going all organic, or your newfound love of kale that you are now growing with your new home garden every freaking morning. Come talk to me with that donut in your mouth next month, just like you do every damn year. Mike in La Quinta, that's a good tone setter. Jimmy, I have a beef with dudes that throw a diaper party. When their wife is expecting a child, that child is your responsibility. Don't guilt me into buying a box of diapers in exchange for a lame party and a couple of cheap-ass light beers. Nick and Erie. A diaper party? You mean a baby shower? I don't know. My kids are like 21 and 17. I don't, is a diaper party a thing? Alvy, are there diaper parties? I think you mean a baby shower, not a diaper party. At Bull Hurley 65, my beef is with idiots who back into parking spots because it's, quote, easier to get out. Listen, bag, I'm sick of waiting for your three-point turnabout while you back in. Just pull in your stupid truck like a normal person. Y'all got beefs. People are angry today. I kind of like it. If I kind of like it, I love it. Snags. My beef is with OC Rain Parent and how they dress their kids. As you know, we are experiencing some rain today, and it's about 58 degrees. I can't take these parents to dress their kids in a hoodie Beanie, earmuffs, two layers of jackets, and rain boots. Listen, lady, your kid is going from your minivan to the store. They're not setting up a weather station in Antarctica. Dow it back a notch. War Eagle, Clubber, and HB. Nice job. Clubber, I mean, I'd say, what's it to you? But I kind of like that. That's funny. Dave the Rocket Guy, quote, My beef is when I'm at the soccer game and I try to poke the straw in the Capri Sun and it goes all the way through both sides of the bag and it drains all over my hands, making them sticky for the rest of the game. You know what that is? That's 
On topic in market. Well done. Hey, Romers. My beef is with the drive through liquor store person. Get off your ass and go inside the store if you're going to buy a month's supply of natural light and whatever assorted bottom shelf spirits that you plan to imbibe. Mason from Parts Unknown. You know, I would say, what's the point of a drive through liquor store then? But I like the way that he's cracking on this person for whatever assorted bottom shelf spirits that they're going to imbibe upon or in. This one just says, my beef is with my lady. When you sit down to watch a movie with your lady, and yes, thoroughly vetted, so enjoyment for both, and she thinks it's a good idea to be looking at the freaking phone watching a video that is loud as hell. I hear you. Doug and Wisco wrote that. Hey, Jim, I got a beef with all those lung dart choking, catcher glove faced smokers out there. <laughs> hey, stink people. The ground is not an ashtray. Throw your disgusting butts in the trash, you dirtbags. Dino Vegas. Hey, stink people is awesome. Jimmers. If it's coming to Jimmers, I know it's from Abby. What's up, Abby? Happy New Year. Jimmers. I got beef. With Texas drivers who bag on California drivers when it rains. I lived in Texas for a bit. They are by far the crappiest drivers in all of North America. Do they teach tailgating in driver's ed? All signs point to yes. Abby in Back Off Diego. War lady clone. You know, it's funny. When we go to Wisconsin in the summertime... There are two forms of drivers. Somebody who's just on your ass. I mean, like, on your ass. Like, they want to push me. Like, I can't. Like, my car is dead. Put it in neutral. They're on your ass. Or they go incredibly slow. There's nothing in between. And it's kind of... I mean, the, the Wisconsin driving experience, man, it's, it's dangerous because it's dark. It's, re, it's dark as hell. It's so dark there at night because there aren't lights. And there's, there's crazy amounts of wildlife. Like, dude, get off me. Let's see, this says, my beef is with the Masters Golf Tournament. We don't need... Hourly commercials on Christmas Eve and day telling me that the Masters is coming up in April. No, duh. It's every April. The only event that needs a four-month lead-in is the Smack Off. By the way, can we go ahead and get that date? Let's say Friday, June 30th. Michael in Nashville. Mike, it's a little early. I I hit Dodger Jano this morning with DJ. We need the Rome family vacation schedule. It used to be that back in the day, that was one of those things that we always did during our Christmas break. So when I came back to start the year, the entire staff would know. Like nobody on my staff wants to say, but they're kind of like, when's the old man taking his vacation? So we know when we get our vacations or we know when to schedule our vacation around his vacation. 
And my answer always is, I got to check with Dodger Jano. Dodger Jano's response to me today was, I don't know because we don't know about Rogan Loam's college Rogan trips. Lowe. So, Mike, I don't know when the smack off is because I don't know when my vacation is. And that's why I don't know my vacation. Hey, Rome, my beef is with SoCal weathercasters using the term atmospheric river. Every time we get some decent rain, just stop. This rain is a godsend, not cataclysmic. Unless I see Ira Craig's cardboard condo floating down the L.A. River, there is no atmospheric river. War fizzle turning drizzle into June gloom. Unwar jokes about turning your lady into an app. I'm not reading that. Come on. Jim in San Clemente. Jim, my beef is with out-of-control knuckleheads who sit in the first row of an NFL game and pound on the padded wall like some kind of crazy scene from Planet of the Apes. For the love of God, stop it. Brian in Detroit. James Philip Rome. My beef is with comes to a complete stop before turning bag. Hey, bag, you're not going to roll your car if you negotiate that turn at 8 to 15 miles per hour. But you might get yourself rear-ended from stopping in the middle of a 50-mile-per-hour road. Man up, Gary in the D. And then he writes, Detroit, not that dump. Dallas. I like this beef segment. Pretty fun. Forgot how fun this was. Hey, Jim, my beef is when the relative in charge of carving the holiday turkey proceeds to eat every other slice while pulling it apart with his fingers, then licking his fingers during the whole process. Come on. Get a sharper knife and keep your fingers to yourself. Sick. Beasy in Pensacola. Dude, are you not embellishing that a little bit? At Prozac. <laughs> Prozac. He's got Zachary as his name. At Prozac. Underscore from LFK. I have a beef with you in World Cup Jano. Getting me all pumped for soccer or football. And having committed so many hours watching this year just to pull the rug out. Now I have soccer friends that I can't get rid of. Thanks. Dude, that's hilarious. That's really, really funny. We didn't do it. I didn't do it. That's funny, though. (laughs) Now I've got soccer friends I can't get rid of. Dude, just do what I'm going to do. Cut them off, man. Cut them off. Block them. Admit you made a mistake. (laughs) Alec writes, dude, okay, so now we're into this reaction to the earlier beefs. Dude, diaper parties are real. I've been to one. Just a bunch of sorry-ass dudes who don't have kids rolling up with the cheapest set of diapers they could find at the store in exchange for a couple of grilled burgers and light beers. Dumbest thing ever. All right, so since I'm not dialed in, help me out with this. Is a diaper party 
to celebrate the soon-to-be birth of a baby? Or is it a financial thing? Or both? Because it seems to me if you have to exchange burgers and beers for diapers, is it an even swap? Are diapers that expensive? I mean, probably, right? Is it a male version of a baby shower? Is that what that is? Then instead of having diaper parties, why not have prophylactic parties? I'm just getting ahead of myself now. James Kelly's like, bleep, yes, they're expensive. But wouldn't you know that Kelly would show up for that part of the conversation? Do you do the cheapest son of a... You are so cheap, Kelly. He, he jumped right in with it. Hell yeah, they're expensive. Except he went with the F-bomb. Save it for the podcast. Let me give you what James Kelly's response was. This dude is so cheap. Never mind that Kelly's got more money than any of us. And why does he have more money than any of us? Because he's cheap as hell. Bleep, yes, they're expensive. Not worth a burger. All right. So then they are getting over. And diaper parties are a real thing, apparently. Let's see here. This guy, Gile. My beef is with the backing into parking spot beef. It's much easier and safer to exit when you're pulling out of the spot, you bag. I mean, yes, it is a lot easier. And I'd argue even safer. But we do have to wait while you do your 38-point turn. That sucks. Bag. Hey, Rome, I have a beef with that dude that can't put the straw through the Capri Sun properly. Hey, moron, they're made for five-year-olds. Get a freaking clue. Aaron in Iowa. Hey, Aaron, I think the guy was kidding. I think it was a joke. Moron. A lot of name-calling in the first beef segment of the year. Lots of morons and bags. You're a moron. Hey, Jaime, my beef is with the American Hall of Fame radio hosts that won't just give their betting picks and won't just give me their iPad passwords. Just hand it over. Regards, Mexican cartel henchmen. I'm not going to lie to you. That was kind of my fear. That's why I didn't F-bomb that guy on the message. I was afraid that they might be connected. I was afraid they might be cartel. I was afraid that maybe that iPad got in the wrong hands of the wrong person and they might not take kindly to me F-bombing them. Because again, it says you can leave a message. Because you know what it means? They, they think that you're going to leave your phone number. Like, please call because you found my iPad and you're going to retrieve it. I know that that's not, that's not what I was going to do. I was going to say, Hey, M bleeper, bleep you. And so I realized the guy holding my iPad may in fact have an AK-47 in the other hand. And friends over here. This guy's like, hey, yo, man, you can have your iPad back, but give us the pics. We've already gone over. If you want the pics... Not the podcast. Just give us the pics. You know what the problem with that is? The guy holding my iPad, I'll say, all right, all right, here are the pics. I'll skip the, po- the podcast bullcrap. Here are the pics. 
give me my iPad. And he's going to go, bleep you. So then he's got my pics and my iPad. Nunzio is in. My beef is with Rogan Loam's cabbage. Now we have to hear some crap-eating Philly fans, what's in that cabbage bit every time Rogan has his name brought up. I know there's something in that lettuce. Dude, that's Nunzio. First of all, it's lettuce, not cabbage. And Nunzio, man, be quiet, dude. That's funny. That, that sound drop, I'll be doing it again. I know there's something in that lettuce. Well, why is that a problem for you? That's funny. Yeah, you're damn right you're going to hear that every time. Nunzio, Rogan, Rogan. That, that's an incredible soundbite. That's an incredible drop, dude. Of all the things to have a beef with. All right, let's go to the phones. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Joe in Orlando. Joe, what's your beef? Jim, my beef is with these idiots who clog up the pre-check line at the airport only to get to the mall cop at the front who then has to not only explain to these morons that their tickets don't say pre-check, but then he's got to spend five minutes giving them turn-by-turn navigation to the line they're supposed to be in. Hey, dingbats, look at your ticket and fix it. I like it. A dingbat reference. Hey, dingbats. That's pretty strong. Let's go to Omaha. Kathleen is in Omaha, and I know she has beef. I just don't know what it is. Kathleen, what's your beef? Rolling Stones 200 singer list is all wrong. No Jim Morrison, no Joe Elliott. Oh, hell no. I did my own list of 170. It's way better, and obviously, Johannes Eckerstrom is number one. Hell yeah, Kathleen. I wonder where we could find her list. No way. Johannes is number one? Didn't see that coming. No way. She'll probably call up Jock and say, oh, oh, you want the 170? Here they are. Let's go backwards. Number 170. I want, I'd love to know. who. First of all, you, you have 170 people, Kathleen, that you know of? Remember when Odyssey tried to get me to do my 75 favorite songs? I never even did that. I'd love to know who 170 is for Kathleen. Rick Ocasek. That that was not the handsomest guy. No offense. And I love the cars. Don't don't at me. Don't at me. Don't at me. I'm just saying. All she does is lust after Johannes. Anyway, let's keep moving. Telephone number is toll free. 1-800-636-8686. Skip in Orlando. Hey, Skip, what's your beef? Romy, I got a beef with all these electrified, electrified vehicles being on the sidewalk, uh, the e-bikes, which are really just scooters, and the skateboards, and the thing with the big wheel, and they just ride on it. They're not doing anything. You know what I like to do, Romy? I like to walk. I like to ride my bicycle. Why? Because it takes strenuous effort, and it keeps me in shape. And then all these electrified vehicles. And now, dude, you live in the, you know, maybe a little bit more high-class areas where they let golf carts and side-by-sides on the roads and then they ride on the sidewalk so i'm all, i'm out of over it i'm over it uh when you're on a sidewalk you need to be walking or riding your- ah! That's not a good call. No. 
I mean, Skip, I agree with you. You just went too long. Not a very good call. He's talking about movement. He's not about that action, boss. That action where you don't actually move. I don't know. I kind of like it when you go into a city and you get one of these like scooter deals and you can just lay it down the sidewalk wherever you want when you're done with it. That's that's cool. I'm just about that action, boss. Just about that action, boss. Why don't we go to, what do you want to go, Chuck? Let's go to Green Bay. Luke in Green Bay. Hey, Luke, what's your beef? Hey, Aaron, I got a beef with ladies paying with cash in the checkout line because no matter what the grand total is, they're going to dive into that abyss that is their gigantic purse rooting around for exact change. Just give the poor high school kid working the register another dollar or pay with a card and let's keep the line moving. Thanks. Nice job. That's how you do it, man. Get in, get out. Get in, get out. Nail that beef. Keep moving. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Reggie in South Carolina. Reggie, what's your beef? I'm beefing with the guy that stole your iPad. I'm beefing with fat girls with belly shirts. I'm beefing in skinny jeans, girls with a 90-day rule, beefing with horror picks, Kobe trade for Vladdy Divac and a bag of pretzels, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, a.k.a. Trash and Dumpster Juice. I'm beefing with the weed man for charging 15 for regular weed. Whoa, my dude. That, that was a legendary beef call. Nobody has ever done it like that. That was incredible. Everybody else just singles. I've never said this before. All I've said is get in, get out. That guy was so smart. Not only did he come at it differently and reinvent the game, he reinvented the game. For all the months that we've done this segment, nobody's ever come at it like that. He didn't have a single beef. He had many beefs, multiple beefs, a laundry list of beefs, historic beefs, beefing back to the Kobe trade beefs. But he knew that I didn't want him to go too long because he heard that other guy get cut off and run, so he went rapid fire. Beef, 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 beef. And then he even put in some, frankly, inappropriate beefs that he slid in there that I couldn't stop him for. That was incredible. That was great, dude. Well done. That was one of my favorite, quote, beefs ever. Certainly the, one of the best beef calls ever. I mean, who, who reinvents the game? That was so fun. It was great. Let's go to the ABQ. Barkley in Albuquerque. Barkley, what's your beef? Ro- Romy, what's up? My beef is with these buttholes that roll up to a four-way stop five minutes before I get there. And I roll up, and they look at me like a deer in headlights. Learn how to drive your rig or get off the road. Audi. Good job, dude. You're right. I feel you. Just take turns. These four-way stops, buttholes, are not that hard. Look around. See who was the latest to get in line. See who's been in the line the longest and let them go. You know what, though? Four-way buttholes are not nearly as offensive as roundabout buttholes. Because, like I said, I've got a roundabout that I've got to drive every single day, and there's always some butthole who's super aggro with it and not reading the yield. That's the only time I'm on my horn, unless somebody's going to hit me. Hearing Callie honking your horn often feels like a reason to go. But whenever there's that idiot that is just like 65 through the yield, I ride my horn for at least a full 60 seconds. I hate that. Let's go to Rob in Reno. Alvin, did you say break? 
Yeah, that, that can't be. I'm not ready to break. We're not there yet. I like this guy. Let's go to Reno. Rob in Reno. Rob, what's your beef? Yeah, Jim. Hey. So my beef is with uh, random chance. So every time you put a plug into a socket or a USB into what you're plugging it into or a key into a locker, I'm sorry, it's not 50-50 that it's going to be the right way. It's like 80-20 against you. You always have to turn it around and put it in again. Come on, random chance. Be 50-50 like your name is. I like that, man. That's kind of funny. I, I'll tell you what I don't like. I don't, I don't like when you buy a product and you put it in a bag and it gets stolen. No, I don't like it when you buy a product now with these ports and the port no longer fits anything you have. Right? Like, if it, it, if it doesn't come with the block or the adapter and they assume that you have one, what if you don't? Yes, I bought another product to go with that iPad and have an issue. Running out of time, but we're not there yet. Let's go to Margo. Margo in Buffalo. Hey, Margo, hello. Hello, and Happy New Year. My beef is with my family for making helicopter noises every time I say, well, I'll just go talk to the coach. Go, Bills. What's a helicopter noise? What what noise do they make, I wonder? I mean, I know you're a helicopter mom, but like, what? Who can make that noise? Denny Nagel, maybe? And Margo's like, you know what? I'm going to go talk to the coach. So Margo's husband says, not bad, right? That's pretty good. Hey, I don't like the way they're uh, doing junior over there. I think I'm going to go talk to the coach. Please don't, Mom. No, I'm going to go talk to the coach. I don't think I've made that noise since I was a kid. Pretty good. Good on me. Let's try Memphis. John in Memphis. What is your beef, John? Uh, hey, Jim. Yeah, my beef is with uh, trying to use the restroom in today's day and age. The technology just prevents it. I'm trying to slip in there, uh, drop a dude. That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. What? Oh, very good call. I, I actually kind of liked where he was going. Like, rule number one, no bathroom beefs. He's got a point, though. It is frustrating when you go to a restroom and you're trying to wash your hands and there's a sensor and you run your hands back and forth and the sensor's not working and it's kind of, it just feels, it's embarrassing and you want, you need to wash your hands, but there's no faucet. I kind of see where the guy's going. Let's not end on that. Let's try another one. Let's go to JD in Philly. JD's got this. JD, what's your beef? Jim, my, my beef is at the gym. Every January, it's overrun by a bunch of blobs who come in, plop down on the machine, and the only exercise they do is twiddling their thumbs, uh, sending out stuff that makes Wells sound like I Afraidy. Now, my dilemma is, do I show them how to use the machine, or do I go full Charles Barkley and toss them and the machine out the plate glass window? I'm out, war, all the jungle bean, Bill's Mafia. 
My dude, JD in Philly. Good job, JD. What do you what do you do with those quote blobs? Yeah, I got beef for you on the way out the door. One more Mexico beef. This is insane. So Rogan Loam is in bulk bulk season. So all he does is eat and lift, eat and lift, eat and lift. Jake Rome goes to school in Madison, so he doesn't want to get too fat. He's in Madison. He wants to get cut. So the kids are working out a lot. And then the old man is trying to do what I can to not be a cool blob. We go to the gym at the resort. $40 a head to work out. Do you believe that? I have never, ever been to a hotel or a resort. I mean, you expect 20, 25 maybe. 40 ahead per day. They gave us a break if you bought the whole week, but not that big of a break. 40! 40! And then you had a bunch of entitled rich kids in there that were doing it. They didn't care. Because they were the same entitled rich kids that were underage getting drunk off their ass on the beach. 40! Right, right on cue, really quickly. I know, Alvin, we got a break, but right on cue, Dodger Jano and I were in the sun. And there was this gal in front of us, and I want to say college age, maybe. But judging from the way she was acting, I'm going to say no. I'm like, yo, DJ, check her out. Blasted. Bleep canned. I mean, she is blasted. And I said it because it was like 1130 in the morning. And then she's like talking to her phone, speakerphone. And then as soon as I said to Dodger Jano, that gal over there, check her out. She is bleep canned. She goes, I am so drunk. Yeah, really? Really? And then every parent on the beach is talking about, we can't stop the kids, man. They keep going back to the bar. They keep going back to the bar. I heard another dad go, man, you are bleep canned. And she's like, and? And she went right back to the bar. I'm like, I got to get off this beach, man. I got to go to the gym where they charge 40 bucks 40. just to do an elliptical workout to get away from all these drunk kids on the beach. That's it. Dude, we went 30 minutes on that beef segment. Hey, Alvin. Lo siento. Not lo siento. That was fun. All right, I, I got to get out. I should have been out 10 minutes ago. Here is your sports update. Oh, this isn't even a sports update. <laughs> wow, that's a first. I mean, look, I'm looking at the, exactly. <clears throat> I'm looking at the clock. It says 31, so why would I not think sports update? No, no, we don't have a sports update here. We, we need to get out. We'll be right back. Good night now!